Good morning, friends. I know, we're not really cauldron spots around here. Um, I hope you guys are having a good weekend. Um, I am having a fantastic weekend. If you guys know, so, so many of you know, George and Lisa Loper are here. Where are they? If you, there's something, yeah. Um, they've been in town and we got to hang out with them late last night. I was like, you guys, I gotta go to bed. I'm preaching in the morning. Um, but it's just been good. So they, they have helped to build our church over the years and then um, abandoned us recently for... <laughs> their grandkids. We love you. It's good. Um, so it's, it's just a good time. So, well, we are finishing up our walk series that we have been um, doing for the last oh, three or four weeks, and it's been fantastic. We, it's been this practical way of what it means to actually journey with God. And, and even that concept of walking with God, it's sort of a Christian term that Steve kicked us off and defined for us. I would love for you guys to go back if you haven't heard. Um, Steve taught, and then Ricky taught, and then Nick taught, just practical ways of walking with God and what that, that looks like. So this morning, I'm going to be talking about God's Word and getting into the Bible and seeing how God reveals himself there. So um, I just want to start, though, by telling you guys right away that there are, there are several times where I open God's Word. I read it, and I think, I got nothing. Like, what, what is going on here? What is this saying? And sometimes I feel like I have been in God's word like for years now, and I'm a little bit embarrassed to ask about what this means because I should probably know. Um, I don't know if you guys feel that way where you're like, ah, this thing is huge. It's intimidating. Look, I, I like brought a huge one up here. You can feel like, what is happening? Not only that, but I want to tell you guys before I start teaching about my love of God's word, there was a season and it was months and months where Rob and I were walking through infertility. Um, it was four and a half years total. And I was a dry, parched soul. I was thirsty. Um, I felt like empty. And I wanted so badly for God to meet me in his word. And I would open up his word and long for him to pour out to me. And it felt lifeless. I didn't feel like his presence was there. It felt like this desert period. And it was hard. And so I, I share that with you this morning because I want you to know, as we've been talking about this morning, that wherever you are in your relationship to the Bible, maybe you've never opened it, maybe you open it and you're like, I don't, this is frustrating. Wherever you are, we're all at different paces in our journey here, and you are welcome. It's good, we're gonna learn together. I've probably been in your shoes in some, in some form. So that being said, let me take you guys back to 1995. Try to think for a second where you were. Some of you were in diapers, it's, it's fine. Uh, but 1995, I, I found myself in this room. It was a bit stuffy. Uh, we were, and we were crammed like sardines. I was 15 years old, and I was sitting cross-legged, knee-to-knee, with other 15 high schooler-year-old people. Um, and it was a new place. It was a, a new atmosphere. There were new people, because I had started on a new journey. I had just gotten back from Young Life Camp at Saranac, New York, and I was starting a, to own my faith for myself. Like, I was starting a relationship with Christ, I was all in. And so I was invited to youth group. Um, and 
I think, you guys, I didn't mind being in this room all packed because A, I was 15 and it's, you know, like it's fine and I can cross my legs for days and get up and be fine. Like right now, you guys, if I sit cross-legged for a long time, I'm, I might not get up for a while. Like, what is going on? I just think, well, this is my lot in life. I'm just going to be sitting here. People are going to like spoon feed me. For... I don't know why my arms don't work in that scenario in that moment. But <laughs> anyway, um, I was 15. I can sit cross-legged in this room. There were cute boys. The youth pastor, he was smart and funny, and he had like, wonderful things to say. And the other youth leaders were adults who were not my parents. So it was just a blast. I loved being in there. And... I remember so vividly the youth pastor opened up the Bible and he said he was so excited because he had a new version of God's word this, like, that night. And I thought, version? What are you, what is, which just means a translation. It was all, I just didn't understand what he was talking about. He opened it up and he said he had a version called The Message, which is by Eugene Peterson, translated into contemporary language. And he read one sentence out of the book of John which is one of the Gospels, Jesus' life. And he read this. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. And I thought, what, what is going on? Like, this is... My pastor, who, who later became just an amazing spiritual director in my life, he married my husband and I, he explained that Jesus was essentially... God moving into the neighborhood, that he was God's word, God's message with skin and bone so that we could, we could know him and he would experience our life. And it just felt like this, the beginning of an amazing story that I, I was so thirsty for. So I remember sitting there and two things happened. I was like, tell me more about this. Like, how's it all, how, how do all these pieces that I have from growing up, how do they all fit? And then secondly, I thought to myself, I wanna do what he's doing. I want to teach God's word to people. And I didn't even know it. I had been a Christian for like a minute. But God was like doing something in there. I remember that vividly. Um, so since, since that meeting 23 years ago or so, I have been drawn to God's mysterious, beautiful, and really hard to understand word. It's, it's been fascinating to me. And I remember learning that there were eight different genres in the Bible. You've got history and the epistles and poetry, eight different things, and that there are 66 books of the Bible that make that up. And like a book is sometimes two pages, um, and sometimes it's 150 pages, depending on what you're reading. And so I just, it's, it's, it's fascinating to me, um, but I don't always understand it. Like I said, sometimes it's really thick, and I read something and I just throw up my hands and I'm like, I don't know why it says what it says. Like, what does this even mean? And I call up the Steve Risky hotline, and I'm like, can you help me? And he's gracious, and he probably teaches me, like, the same thing three times in a row, because I don't get it. But what I want you guys to see this morning, and, and that is true of the Bible, is that God reveals who he is through his word. It's not the only way that God reveals who he is, but it's one of the ways, and we're going to look at that. So when we read God's word, we can absolutely expect to know more about the character of God every time. We can open up God's word and we can expect to see that he is merciful and he is just and he is gracious and he is slow to anger and righteous and he's all-knowing and he's everywhere, just to name a few. 
And so not only do we learn about God's character when we open up God's word, but God's word, it is full of wisdom. There have been times where I thought, I do not know what to do in this situation, and there's wisdom, there's answers there. It gives direction. It shows us how to grieve and lament, which is really beautiful. It teaches us about the good life. It shows us who we are as as sons and daughters of the Most High King, our identity. And it's just this, this, there's correction in there to help us walk well. It's It's the grand story of God. So just this morning, we're going to focus on looking and finding about who more, who, more who of God is, his character. Um, and I want you to know that every time I open up God's word, most mornings, when I, I'm looking at God's word, I just pray this one small one-liner prayer. I, I say, God, will you speak to me so that I can know you more? And then I trust that the Holy Spirit, who lives inside of those who follow Christ and trust him, with their lives, that the Spirit will speak to us about His Word. I trust that. Um, and, and I base that off of God's Word that says this about the Spirit. But the Helper, this is in John 14, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I said. This is Jesus talking. And then again in John 16, when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own initiative. Whatever he hears, he will speak. It is God's spirit that illuminates scripture, that helps us see and understand it. So when you you have those light bulb moments, that is God's spirit in our lives doing that. So friends, you guys, there is one passage that I've been like spiritually stuck in, in a good way, over the last couple of months. I cannot get out of it. I keep opening it to it. I keep looking at it because they're just, I feel like I'm on a treasure hunt just digging up these amazing things about God. So the passage we're going to look at is Isaiah 55. It'll be on the screen. If you have a Bible, turn there. Some of you have it on your phone. It's great. This is Isaiah 55. We're going to start in chapter one, or verse one. And this is God. Isaiah was a prophet, and so God would speak to Isaiah, and then he would share that with the people. This is what God is saying right here. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend your money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. Delight yourself in abundance. Incline your ear. Come to me. Listen that you may live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercies shown to David. First three verses here. What I read for you was one of the versions called the NASB, the New American Standard Bible. And some of, you, some of your translation, translations say something other than ho, right? Like, this is sort of an archaic greeting. We're not really using this anymore, right? Like, if you were to approach me on the street and that's how you would greet me, I would be slightly offended. Like, we're not doing this, right? Or like Robin Hood, oh, I challenge thee to a duel. Like, this is not happening. So most of your translations probably say, come with an exclamation point, or the message says, hey there. Whatever it says, what, you need to, what needs to be noted here is that it is this boisterous, loud, herald call to all. Like, hey there, come to me. This is God himself. He's saying this out loud, and he's saying, hey, come to me if, even if you have nothing. 
if you're coming with nothing. Zero qualifiers. And he says, come. He says it five times in three verses. He means it. Come. If you are spiritually bankrupt, come. Come if you are penniless. Come if you have nothing, right? We have nothing. What in the world do we have to offer the living God? Nothing. He says, come. Come to me. What strikes me about this passage then, if we were to ask, what are we finding out about God? God is an invitational God. He's an arms wide open king. He says, I have this banquet table that there is a seat for every single one of you if you would, if you would accept it. No matter your age or your race or your gender or your ethnicity or your background or your past, present, future, come. It's open, it's open to you. Friends, knowing that God is an invitational God, it is something that I can stand on. Because there are days I I need that truth. The next time you think that God is not for you, or that he has turned away from you, or, or he has forgotten you, remember this call out to you. Remember this this beautiful invitation to come to him, limping and broken and sad and empty and weak, we can come. Grieving and hopeless and anxious and numb, we can come. Laughing and joyful and amazed and tender, we can come. We can come. It's so good. If you check out verse two that we read, he says, come buy good things for me because he paid for them, right? He paid for them for us. I even love this progression of of getting relationally closer to him. If you come, that's a step. If you buy something, then you're investing even more. But if you eat, right, it is is in your soul. It's really sweet to say, just get closer, he's saying, get closer. Um, And I even love how he questions, why are you spending your money on junk food, your, your cash on cotton candy that doesn't nourish your soul? Why do you do that? Come to me, I have good things for you. Which shows us another thing about God. So not only is he an invitational God, but he is a God who provides good things for our souls. If we move on to verse four, it says, behold, I have made him a witness to the peoples. He's still talking about David here. A leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you will call a nation you do not know, and a nation which knows you not will run to you, because the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, he has glorified you. God is saying, I'm making a lasting covenant commitment with you the way I made with David, right? Which, which, with this sure, solid, enduring love. Then verse six, he says, seek the Lord while he may be found, Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his ways, the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. And what happens if we pivot to God? What's it say? He will have compassion on him to our God. He will abundantly pardon. He is ready, ready for you. He's not mad. His compassion. And then verse eight, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. I love that. I I want my God to be way, way above me, right? It is so good. His ways are so much higher than ours. And, and so it's this call for us to lift our chin up and know we cannot even comprehend the lofty plans of our God. 
which gives us a third thought here. Not only is he invitational and he gives us good things, but it reveals that God is omniscient, which is just this theological word that means that he is all-knowing, all-seeing, all-wise, right? He's all-knowing, all-seeing, all-wise. His plans are so superior to mine, which helps me when I'm like, I do not understand what is happening in my life. I just don't. And I can, I can go here. I'm like, all right, this is my trust fall. Your ways are higher, that your, his wisdom exceeds the wisdom of a thousand counselors combined, which is really beautiful that he would even let us in on some of his thoughts, right? So just in these nine verses alone, we see three amazing truths about who God is. And then, and then we move to verse 10. And I find this beautiful. It says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth, making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word, which goes forth from my mouth, it will not return empty to me without accomplishing what I desire, without succeeding in the matter which I sent it. For you will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth into shouts of joy before you. The trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush, the cypress will come up. Instead of the nettle, the myrtle. And it will be a memorial to the Lord, an everlasting sign that can't be cut off. God's word says it will not go forth and return empty. He's not going to send it out and, and until it accomplishes what he desires. And when I read that, I thought about that youth group, youth group room 23 years ago. And Greg Howder opening that, that part in John where God's word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood, right? Jesus went forth and he accomplished all that God set out for him to do. It just, it, when I read Isaiah 55, it smelled so much like Jesus to me. I was like, what is going on? What is that passage? And then the Spirit reminded me, yeah, John chapter 7. So I want you guys to see this. This is amazing. This is Jesus at the, the Feast of Tabernacles at the end of this big festival that's been days and people are in tents and it's just lots of, lots of partying going on. This is, this is what happens. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus, check this out. Jesus stood and in a loud voice says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink, right? Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within him. And the scripture says, by this he met the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up until that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not been glorified. You guys, do you see it? Right? Jesus is saying that same thing. Isaiah is, hey there, come if you're thirsty, come to me. I'm the one. Right? The fulfillment of Isaiah through Jesus, I just, I think it's phenomenal. It's so beautiful to me. You guys, God's word is so dynamic. To find these threads that, that come all the way through, sometimes I'm just like, this is like, real. I mean, higher than mine, the way this is all put together. I wanted you guys to see that this morning, that if you look at a passage, at a chapter, and you ask of the text, what do I see about who God is? You will find who God is. You will find beautiful truths. Now I realize that this 
might beg some questions as you're sitting here this morning. You might be thinking, okay, Haim, Haim how do we do this then? Like, how, how do I get into the Bible? It's intimidating to me, or it's frustrating, or what if you're thinking, what if genealogies bore me? <laughs> That's all right. They bored me too for a while, and then I started to look at these characters. I was like, whoa, there's some shady people in the line of Jesus. This is kind of fascinating what he was doing, redeeming this. You know, and you might be thinking, what works, what doesn't? How do we practically get into God's word? Can I tell you what doesn't work in my life? Is that cool? Yeah, yeah thank you. All right, so what hasn't worked, and I, it took me a while to figure this out. I was, I, I, was, I was reading God's word, and it was like not connecting for a while. And I finally figured it out. It was because I was reading it only on my phone. Now, some of you are like, I'm going to put it away because that's what I have out right now. No, don't do that. Let me tell you about this, right? I have had the Bible app, like I have the entire Bible on my phone, and I thought, this is awesome. I'm not taking my big Bible out to meet people and have spiritual conversation. I'm taking my phone. This is going to be great. But two things were happening to me. The first thing was when I would sit down in the morning and read God's word on my phone, I would just, I would, oh, an Instagram, what just popped up? What's happening? Oh, she's so cute. That's like the best. Oh, you know what? I just got an email. I'm just going to check my email real quick. And they need a calendar moment. Let me just see my calendar here for a second. Oh, uh, Facebook, my mom posted things about her garden. It's the cute. Oh, my kids are up. And there was my time in God's word. Does this happen to anybody? It's just me. It's fine. I'm, um... I'm secure. I'm, I am ADHD, and I am easily distracted. It was not working for me. The second thing that was happening to me is that it, it was becoming increasingly um, hard for me to figure out where I was in God's word on my phone, because it's just this like linear, constant scroll. Does this happen to you guys? Which makes sense, because studies are showing at this point, when you read on like a tablet or a, a phone, um, that there's a couple of things that are happening. It, we are hindered significantly by our, our reading retention is hindered. It hinders our sleep at night, and that it negatively affects comprehension. Um, so, I, I mean, it makes sense. A lot of the studies are also saying when you, when you read physical paper and you kind of feel it build up on the left side and diminish on the right, you have this, like, physical... Um, view of where you are in the story. There's this fixity and solidity of where you're going. So that, so I put my phone down and I picked up my old trusty friend. It just felt like a friend, you guys. I mean, look at this thing. What is even happening? Um, I have written in this. This is. I have. There are tear stains on here. There are dates I've written down when I felt like God is speaking to me. I need to write this down. I can go back and see what's happening. And the privilege, right? We have the privilege of having a physical copy of the Bible. There are mission, there are people in places in the world that just have like a piece of the Bible. They're longing for it. They just have like one page. Please hear me. The Bible app is awesome, by the way. I love the devotionals that are in there. I want to write for them. Like, I think they're amazing, but I I needed to have my Bible with me. So that's what didn't, doesn't work. Three practical applications on getting into God's word. And I hope they speak to you no matter how long you've been around the word. Number one, start a small habit. Right? No one becomes a Bible lover overnight or an expert. 
And you know, each step we take in our journey adds up to a lifetime, right? Take 10 minutes at the same time, at the same place every day for 21 days and see what God does. Form that habit. Um, because it has become an absolute lifeline for me. I do it in, I, I read in the morning and it's a perspective changer before my sweet, amazing circus comes down to greet me. Friends, five minutes is better than no minutes, right? Second thing, one book at a time. So I told you there are 66 books in the Bible. I have some friends that do the, the book of the month with the Bible where July starts and then they start a new book. And if it's the Psalms that have 150 chapters, you might have to read several of them a day to get through in July. But if you're in July and you open, you're doing Philippians that is four chapters, you might read it over and over and you know that book when you're done. But when July is over, you close it and you go to a new one. If you have not ever started reading God's Word, I recommend starting in Matthew and going from there. See what you find. And then this, the third thing is read it with others, right? One of the things I love about our community groups is that we are committed to opening God's Word together. We have teachers and shepherds in there who've been in God's Word and we wrestle with it together, we ask questions, we do it together that are safe places for that. And some, some of our groups have different seasons where we're doing that better than others, which is fine, but that's one of our core values. Um, when you read God's word together, three questions you can just have in your mind as you read a passage. What does this show me about God? What does this show me about myself or my identity? And what does this show me about how God wants me to live? Just, just three things you can ask yourself. Um, with the idea of reading it with others, this is just a quick challenge for those of you who are older in the faith. If you've been around reading God's word, find someone younger to read it with. Help them out. And oh, I bet you'll learn things too, because I always do when I think, I got this, and then my friends are like, tell them, I'm like, yeah, yeah, good point. I, you've been reading for two minutes, it's perfect. Um, pair up, read a book of the month, and at the end of the month, talk about what you learned. You know, think about how you can do that with each other. Now, speaking of reading with others, I am going to bring up my dear friend, Amy Simmons. Um, she is coming up here, and my husband's going to bring up those stools, and it's going to be the best. Um, and she is going to bravely share her journey into God's Word and what that has looked like. Yeah. Hi, friend. Hello. I know. Microphones. They're good. There we go. Hello. Hello. You guys, give Amy a, a little welcome here. Hi. Hi. Yes. Okay, so I wanted to bring up Amy because I, um, she has grown so dear to me. I have watched her grow spiritually. She has um, been diving into God's word lately. And so let me just ask you a few things, okay? Sure. Okay, did you grow up reading God's word? Were you around it? Tell us a little bit about... So I was around it. I grew up in the Episcopalian church. Mm -hmm. I was very much involved in it. You know, an acolyte, uh, youth group mission trips. I was a uh, part of Christian camp for a long time. I was even in the handbell choir, like literally handbells. I'm, wait, um, were you good? Choir? No, no. <laughs> and it's like ding, 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 ding. It's awful. And just a bunch of 10-year-olds. But I, um, I then steered away from it in my teenage years, my early 20s, um, it just wasn't a part of my 
what is a part of my life. Yeah. Okay, so then into your adulthood and even coming into Brookside, tell us a little bit about that. Yes. So my husband and I moved here about five years ago uh, to Bowling Green. It's his hometown. His sister invited us to Brookside. Uh, I was very intrigued by it. It was the first time that I actually could relate to sermons, apply them to my life, kind of take them home. So then uh, Craig and Kevin also came into our lives, swooped in in a very dark phase of our life, uh, and that really solidified our bond with the Brookside family. Yes, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Sure. That time. Um, so what it was is uh, we had dealt with infertility as well, about five years of it, uh, nine miscarriages over that period. Uh, and then we were pregnant with a healthy, beautiful baby boy that was developing normally. We were just elated on cloud nine. Uh, and then we got knocked right off that cloud. Um, we learned in our second trimester that he had a rare disease that meant that the likelihood that he would survive birth was very slim. So um, it was a very deep, dark phase of my life. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it was... Um, Winter, the days were long. I questioned God every single day. I uh, felt very alone, just consumed with self-pity. Mm -hmm. It was awful. I can describe it as being in this deep, dark hole. And my calls to be saved, calls to a Lord, calls, calls to anybody would just echo off the wall. It was just mm -hmm. me alone um, trying to deal, as well as with my husband. You know, we were just both trying to cope. So then I went into labor early one morning. And I, I knew that it would be the day that I would lose my son. Uh, and I was consumed with unequivocal calmness. Uh, it's, hard, it's impossible to describe. Uh, I just knew it was going to be okay. I knew God was finally there with me. Um, and, and I was okay. So I gave birth to what is the most beautiful God-created baby I've ever laid eyes on. Mm. And... Um, it's our son, Mason. He uh, laid the foundation for our future family, mm -hmm. uh, as well as for my spiritual journey. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I knew with so much confidence that Mason was in God's arm and, and he was okay. So when Amy invited me to uh, be a part of reading the Philippians mm -hmm. uh, in a Bible study, it was essentially the first book of the Bible that I had ever read in completion at 35. It was kind of embarrassing. <laughs> but also, uh, you know, so much of it was so far over my head, I was just trying to soak in any bit of it. And there's a part of it where Paul writes to the Philippians that not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. And that rang a bell of what we had been through. All of the suffering solidified that we had this beauty, these gifts, and it was time to rejoice in Mason. Mm -hmm. So prior to going through any infertility, I had, would have never had guessed. It was so dark and so lonely. Uh, but also ha giving birth to a stillborn baby, I never would have guessed it would be so beautiful. So mm. it's just God's way of, of gifts, including the suffering. Um, was, Which I find amazing. You talked about when we were in Philippians, giving perspective back mm -hmm. to that time. Mm -hmm. I didn't see it at the time. Yeah. But then four years later, it was like a bell went off. And that was kind of the first time that I could really relate to scripture that I was reading, yeah. essentially with a group, put on my own, yeah. um, and tie it back to my life and really put a new perspective, a new lens on on my view. I love it. That's amazing. Thank you for being honest and <laughs> vulnerable. It's awesome. Um, 
Okay, so so now, present time, what is it? And that was just the fall that yes, we were in Philippians. Fall. It was fun. Um, what does it look like for you to be in God's word these days? Yeah, so after Philippians, you know, again, I was kind of reinvigorated. I thought I can do this on my own. I opened it up a few times. I failed miserably. There's no way. <laughs> and so um, somebody uh, introduced me to this workbook called Experience God. Uh, I clicked it on Amazon. I considered it for a little while. It's got a really intimidating cover. Very intimidating. Moses. <laughs> so I totally judged it by its cover didn't purchase it for a little while and then I broke down and, and bought it and then I even still procrastinated for a little while and then I asked Amy hey will you work through this with me so it's a day-by-day week-by-week workbook and it has been great for me it's a great it's relatable I get it um, and then Amy and I occasionally talk about it yeah so give me, last question here, what, what are some challenges in being God's word daily for you? So similarly, just figuring out the time where that you can actually invest and relate and spend um, concerted effort on it. So I have learned that it has to be early morning um, before the house is awake with a cup of coffee. Uh, and then you have to bypass habits uh, to make this my new habit. It's totally not my habit yet, but I'm working on it. So one morning, um, the lightning bulb kind of went off when I went to Amy's house. And if you guys have been to the Seifert's house, you know it's just like a sanctuary. It's beautiful. It's 7 a.m. The morning light is coming in the most beautiful ways. Amy's like calmly sitting on the couch with coffee. And we have this wonderful conversation. My cup is full as I'm leaving. And I set a cup, an empty cup, by the sink. And I realized there's dishes in the sink. Not to call you out. Call me out. <laughs> call it out. There's dirty dishes. And it made me realize you have to bypass some of those in order to soak in the word. And mm-hmm. so um, there was times that I was, yes, doing what you do, where you just start your day, get after it, yeah. and then your window is just gone. There's no way with kids around that you could really kind of focus on it. But the dishes can, they get done. The yeah. laundry, they, they all can gets wait, done. right? It does. I know. Yes. Which so... I, I often, I, you know, I've been coming here for five years. I still feel like a freshman. I'm still sponge soaking it in. But I've come to, and sometimes I get really frustrated with my pace. Um, but I've come to accept it. I'm just chugging along with God and a broken person trying to see different parts of my life that, that God is actually there. And it's super beautiful. You're right where you should be. Thanks. Love you, girl. Right. Can you guys say thank you, too? Thank you so much. Uh, well, while the band comes up, I'm going to read you two more verses. Oh, I'm just, thank you, Amy. That was really beautiful. Um, two verses about God's word for us to end. Um, 2 Timothy 3 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And then Psalm 119 is all about the love of God's word. And it says in verse 24, your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. Let me pray for us this morning. God, thank you for Amy's life and what you are doing. Thank you for your word that is beautiful, that is thick, that teaches us. God, thank you for your grace as we go. Um, Thank you for revealing more and more to us. Would we be a place that wrestles with your word together, that is not ashamed? Would the the men and women this morning not feel under the pile by these ideas, but would be inspired to ask your spirit to join them in reading your word, God? You are King and Lord, and we worship you. Amen. Ah.
I love that. Greatest showman, anybody in the end there? So good. Um, Psalm 119. 97 says, oh, I love, this is my prayer for us. I love your word. It's my meditation all day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies. They are ever mine. I have more insight than all my teachers. My, your testimonies are my meditation. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Go in peace today. And I pray that we would thirst, thirst for God's word. Love you guys. Thank you for being here.